Well, good morning, Arbor Church. It is a great privilege to be here today. I, to see so many familiar faces, it's good to see, it's good to see you all. And uh, there are some faces I don't recognize. Uh, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Mike, and uh, my family helped uh, plant Arbor Church. In fact, I still have the carabiner from the plant, and uh, it's just, it's been, um, it's, it's been quite a ride since then. Um, I was the ministry leader for Celebrate Recovery while I was here, and my wife Lisa was the one behind many tasty uh, meals and desserts that were provided by the nourishment team, and um, it's, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for asking me to speak you know, the last 16 months have been hellacious, hasn't it? All aspects of our social life has been turned upside down, from family gatherings to schools, businesses, and especially churches. Churches have had a hard time over this last season navigating this unprecedented season. And Arbor itself has gone through some major hurt. Not only did you have to survive the pandemic and all the things that come with it, but you also experienced a major scandal that honestly destroys a lot of churches. But here you are on the other side of that, still seeking to help the hurting. And I can't tell you how good it does my heart to hear that that is still your vision and focus is to help the hurting I'm so glad to hear about Acres of Diamonds. I'm familiar with that ministry, and they are awesome. And what just proof positive that you all are still focused on helping the hurting. So I want to, um, I want to help you all. I want to equip you for helping the hurting. You know, organizations like the Red Cross, they prepare their teams and their resources ahead of time before the emergencies hit, so that when the time comes, they're ready, they're prepared to serve in effective ways those who are in need. So in order to prepare you to help the hurting, I wanna challenge you today to address the hurt that is within yourselves first as individuals. I'm talking about taking an honest inventory of yourselves for your, um, for your emotional and mental health. What hurts, habits, and hang-ups are you struggling with? Maybe that you're ignoring or denying, or maybe not even aware of, just because it's never been pointed out. Those hurts, habits, and hang-ups can keep you apart from the call that God has put on your lives. And a simple way to heal from those hurts, habits, and hang-ups is to draw near to God. And that's the focus of our time together today, what it means, what it looks like, and some of the benefits of drawing near to God. I'd like to read a passage of scripture out of the book of James for my topic today. Now, there's some strong language in this passage, but I want you to remember that James is writing to believers. He's writing to believers in the 12 tribes, but I believe all of us here are believers today, so 
Don't get too offended by his words, um, but uh, keep that in mind, that he's, he's writing to people of faith. So let's read James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. Now Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart, right? You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be... uh, Oh, therefore... Or do you not suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Let's pray over the reading. Dear Jesus, Lord, we, we humbly come before you, Lord, and ask that you would bless the reading of the words that your half-brother wrote. I pray, Lord, that you would open our ears to hear, open our minds to understand, and open our hearts to be receptive of what you would have for us today. In your name we pray, amen. So in Psalm uh, 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, we are all in recovery on some level from sins that we've done in the past or sins that have been done to us. The people who attend Celebrate Recovery understand this, and they suffer from things other than substance abuse. In fact, only one in three people who attend Celebrate Recovery are there for things like drugs and alcohol. There are many, many things in our lives that put a barrier between us and the call that God has put on our lives. And I want to talk today about some of those barriers, and you can see if any of them apply to your life. But it's going to take a few things in order for this to work. Number one, it's going to take honesty. Be honest with yourself when you see this list. It's going to take transparency, whether that means speaking to your spouse or someone else close to you, about the things you struggle with. And it's going to take vulnerability. Vulnerability is tough, but God will not refuse a contrite heart. So let's look at this list together. And I'm going to expound on some of the points, not all of them. And I'm just going to go in alphabetical order. I want to start with abuse. Are any of you here struggling today with abuse? And that could be physical abuse verbal abuse, sexual abuse, or mental abuse. 
Are you struggling today with anger or anxiety? I have anxiety. What about bitterness? What about church wounds? Now, church wounds are tough because it's easy to blame God or even go so far as to deny Christ because of a church when it hurts you or a leader hurts you. Please don't blame God for the actions of others. If you're harboring anger against God today because of something that's been done to you, I would invite you to take another look at that situation and know that God was not behind that hurt. People hurt, but God heals. You can be free of church wounds if you draw near to God. Are you struggling today with codependency? Now, outside of a caretaker-type relationship, codependency is characterized by excessive emotional or psychological reliance on someone else. A codependent person compulsively covers up for or owns the selfish and harmful behavior of someone else. There was a local pastor several years ago who, while talking to his congregation, he said, I want to apologize to all of you for the Inquisition and for the Crusades and for sex abuse and for many other things that so-called Christians have done throughout history. Well, that sounds pretty noble, but the fact is, He wasn't granted the authority to speak for those people, and those weren't his sins to make amends for. Christ already did that when he took every person's sin, past, present, and future, to the cross and nailed it there once and for all. If you're in a codependent relationship, you don't have to keep owning the other person's mistakes. We will be judged by our own actions, not the actions of others. Romans 14.12 says, So then each of us will give account of himself to God. And again, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether it was good or bad. Even in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 18.20 says, The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. You can be free of codependence if you draw near to God. Are you struggling today with control? You know, the power trips and controlling others or controlling the situations. What about depression? What about eating disorders? Extramarital affairs? Family neglect? Now I want to say something to pastors and lay leaders here. Do not fall into the trap that ministry takes priority over your family. It does not, and it never will. Billy Graham once said that God will not send you where he cannot sustain you. And truly, God would not call you into a ministry that would put a burden on your family bond. you got to protect that family unit with every fiber of your being. Your family home should be a safe place, a place of renewal, love, joy, and peace. It's in your power to make your home that way. 
And I say, make it so. Are you struggling today with fear? The great theologian Zach Williams says, fear is a liar. What about financial mismanagement? What about foolish talking or dirty jokes, as described in Ephesians 5.4? What about foul language? Now, so what's the big deal about foul language? Well, according to, chapter, to James chapter 3, he says the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeliness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring put forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I want you to check out this image of two plants. This was the result of a 30-day experiment where one plant was spoken to with hateful words and the other plant was spoken to with words of encouragement. Now you can see the results for yourself. The plant on the left withered under the weight of condemnation and the other plant flourished by virtue of blessings. And we do the same thing to people's spirit when we speak to them. This picture proves the truth behind Proverbs 18.21 that says, the tongue has the power of life and death. If you want to look at your foul language a little more effectively, maybe you could use it as a trigger, a trigger that would call you to repentance and draw near to God. But if you choose to do nothing about it, it can actually push you away from God. But you can be free of foul language if you draw near to God. Are you struggling today with grief? What about lying? Maybe manipulation? What about messages from your past? Now we have all been given messages about ourselves throughout our lives. They come from relatives, friends, ministers, maybe a boss or coworker, or even television, movies, and especially social media. What are those messages from your past? Are they true or are they a lie? Truth draws you near to God, but lies put you further away from him. If you've been living in a lie that has been spoken into your life, you can be released of it if you will draw near to God and step into the identity in Christ. Are you struggling today with overworking or workaholism? What about perfectionism? Pornography? The Pew Charitable Trust says that, on average, one in five men in this room regularly view pornography. Folks, that's a lot of dads and husbands doing that. If you're struggling with that today, you can be free if you draw near to God. What about pride? Pride, pride is a big one. Pride may be the biggest because God hates pride. It's the boiled down reason why sinners won't repent. Pride stands in opposition to the blood of Christ, which is powerful enough to save the entire world, but it won't penetrate pride. Pride has to fall 
in a person's heart before God can work on it. In fact, pride was the original sin in the heavenlies long before Adam and Eve fell. The book of Isaiah chapter 14 tells the story. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. In this case, the context is the the angels. He'll exalt himself above the angels. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. The whole rebellion in heaven started with Lucifer's pride, and he took a third of the angels with him. Lucifer wanted to be equal with his creator. And it's no wonder, I think, that God hates pride. But you can be free of pride if you humble yourselves and draw near to God. Are you struggling today with revenge, road rage, shame, unforgiveness, unwelcome thoughts? And I want to mention this one because we can't control what thoughts come into our mind. But we can control how long we keep them there and what we do with them. I like to compare it to when my daughter Emma finds a bug in the house. Now, she didn't put that bug there. But as soon as she sees it, she cries for her daddy and comes running and says, Daddy, go kill this bug for me. And she wastes no time in asking. Because she knows if I tarry too long, that bug could get away. And God forbid, if that thing, especially if it's a spider, if that thing were to show up later in maybe her toy bin or her bathroom or in her bed, we need to have the same urgency with our thought life. As soon as we get an unwelcome thought, we need to run to our Heavenly Father and say, Abba, take this thing. I don't know where it came from. I didn't put it there, but I don't want it. Please kill it for me. And don't waste time in asking. The longer you keep it around, the harder it is to get rid of. In Celebrate Recovery, participants introduce themselves on this manner. Hi, my name is Mike. I'm a grateful believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who struggles with drug addiction, anxiety, shame, depression, and messages from my past. Now, this is much different than your anonymous groups, like Alcoholics Anonymous, where they introduce themselves as alcoholics and will always be alcoholics. But we who are in Christ, we identify ourselves with Christ while admitting that we still have struggles that our Savior can help us overcome. Even in the CR introductions, we are admitting with our mouth to God to ourselves, and to other people, the nature of what we struggle with. This way, we lay aside our pride so that God is free to work in us, through us, and for us. And we also give opportunity for others to come alongside us and say, hey, I have anxiety too. And there you have a friend for the journey. James 5.16 says, Confess our trespasses to one another 
and pray for one another that you may be healed. The primary Greek word here for confess means to say the same thing. It goes much deeper than just admitting you're wrong. It means that you agree with God when he says something is sin. It's taking it to the point that your thoughts and your word align with his thoughts and his words. It's not trying to make his thoughts and words align with yours. But it's setting aside your pride and humbling yourself to come under his word. God's ways are higher than our ways, right? What was the pastor Cliff said a few weeks ago? It's not my way or your way, but God's way. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So we've talked a lot about drawing near to God to help with our struggles. So now let's look at some action steps. The how-to is so important, and it comes in three ways. We need to read, we need to pray, and we need to fast. So reading, why do we read the word? Well, because if we want to know Jesus and who he is and what he requires of us, we have to read his word. Jesus is the Word. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the manifested Word of God. And we sit at his feet and learn from him when we read the Bible. That's what his disciples did before they received power. And it's what we need to do during the summer with Jesus. Second, we need to pray. Prayer is just simply talking to your creator. And we have the right to do that, to approach his throne, because his son paid the admission price. In worship or in worry, we can go to God and it will bring peace. The third one is fasting. Now, fasting is just a form of humbling oneself. And you do it for a specific purpose, like if you need healing or breaking down strongholds or if you're praying for salvation or a need for a friend or family member, for guidance in big decisions, for growing closer to God or gaining strength in the power of God. God's strength is on full display when we are weak and fasting makes us weak before him. And it's a good place to be. So what are some of the benefits of drawing near to God? Well, first of all, you get a closer relationship with a perfect dad. Remember who God is. He is the perfect father. He truly loves us. And he will chastise us when we stray. But that only proves that we're his. Peter wrote that if we weren't God's children... He wouldn't bother to correct us. But his correction, although it might hurt for a minute, will draw us closer to perfection. God wants us to live a life that brings contentment for ourselves and that can bring joy to others. I have a 21-year-old son named Luke. And when he was just still a little guy, 
I had to correct his behavior one day at a playground. And not just a few minutes later, he saw some other kid doing the same thing he was doing. And he said, Dad, why don't you tell that kid too? And my answer was simple. Because he's not my child. I don't care what he does unless he does something against you. But you're my child. And I care what you do and how you treat others. And it's the same way with God. God loves his children. And he will protect them, provide for them, and correct them when necessary. So draw near to your heavenly father and see that he is good. You also get strength for the battle when you draw near to God. You know, we hear a lot about the armor of God, but I want you to remember that armor is protective, right? The only weapon that's mentioned in the armor is the sword. And it says that the sword is the word, who is Jesus, who already won the battle for us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.13 that once we've done all that we know to do to just stand, the armor will protect you against the attacks of the enemy and the sword will do the fighting. We just need to stand our ground in faith and trust in God. And when we're near to God, he is our protector and he is our warrior. Another thing we get, another benefit is knowledge and wisdom. Knowing good from evil and recognizing wolves in sheep's clothing. There was a young adults pastor locally um, who taught on a, uh, a message called Twisted Scriptures. And in it, he said that the Bible can't be trusted because people have used it in the past to manipulate and control others. To quote him, he says, don't worry about the Bible, just go out there and love people. Well, how can you possibly know how to love others if you don't know the one who loved you first? And we get to know the one who loved us first by reading his words in the Bible. But if you aren't familiar with the words of Jesus and the apostles, the comments like that pastors would go unnoticed and leave a wake of spiritual carnage. If you don't have the word when you go helping people, you are unarmed and dangerous. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. Folks, we are the body, and we are the individual joints of that body who work together with different callings, different roles to play. But when we're working in harmony and when we're working with God, it builds us up in love. So draw near to God so that you can recognize these things when the enemy attacks. My mother's side of the family is riddled with heart disease. 
Um, I'm only 47 years old and I've already had one heart attack. My oldest brother, David, died at the age of 50 of a heart attack. So because of these things, I have created a folder on the desktop of my laptop called Open This When I Pass. And in it are important documents for Lisa to use when I'm gone. There are also documents in there for my children. The one for Emma is especially important because if something happens soon, she's still little. And the girls and women today are being bombarded with false expectations of what makes them beautiful. My document for Emma is made up of little letters to impart wisdom and godly direction for various situations to help her navigate this world when I'm no longer here for her to ask. Now, if I, being a father full of faults, would want my children to know my heart, how much more would our perfect heavenly father want that for us? Well, he did that when he sent his son Jesus into the world. Jesus revealed the true nature of our heavenly father and our creator. Jesus was the word of God manifested in flesh, and it's all documented in the Bible. In closing, I want to ask you this, Arbor. What will you do to draw closer to God? Will you make an effort to read and pray and fast? Maybe you're already doing that, and you're already drawing near to him. But which direction are you going? Be honest. Be vulnerable. Because you're either drawing near to him or you're not. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My hope is that Arbor will grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ for the equipping of this body to go and help the hurting. Draw near to God, Arbor, and he will, he promises, he'll draw near to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would take just these broken up words in this message I pray that you would use it for your glory, Lord. I pray that everyone here would take an honest inventory of themselves and that you would help each one of us to recognize the things that stand between us and you. Give us the strength, Lord, to face these things head on, knowing that we're not in it alone. You already took it to the cross. It's already defeated. Help us, Lord, to take hold of what you've given us already. I pray blessing on everyone here today. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.